What an asshole Troutman is. <laughs> I can't believe I mean you you should have at least done something in the league before <clears throat> you start making comments right. like that. Like, listen, they've thrown you the ball, you've dropped the ball. Right. Like you weren't open. Like mm-hmm. you need to stop it. Like, yeah. <laughs> What's up, Houdat Nation? And welcome to the Dome Patrol Podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation, and thanks for joining us on the Dome Patrol Podcast, the official Saints podcast of the Fans First Sports Network. We are back uh, after a few instant reaction shows over the weekend on some of the draft picks. Uh, We're going to go ahead and just kind of wrap up the the Saints draft as a whole, Uh, maybe talk about some still um, some needs that that we think they still need to get into. But really, it's just kind of an overall draft recap. So joining us here, uh, we've got Wesley and James from the Dome Patrol, and we've got a guest this week, Nick Underhill. Hill from New Orleans. That football. How's everybody doing? Well, good, man. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, seem to be pretty busy with the new uh, new website design going live this week, huh? Is that a shot at me being uh, 15 minutes late for the recording? It's, <laughs> no. it's always hard. It's always no. hard. Uh, I deserve that. I deserve wow. that. No, that's not. That was not it at all. Uh, we just, uh, we just switched. Bit, we just switched over to a, to a network, so there's a new uh, editing system for us. So we we are having to get used to to that too. So how are things so, going, was, Nick? You you got the yeah new new uh new podcast schedule you're putting out new uh new hosts kind of stuff like that everything going good yeah everything's great man yeah we're we're doing uh three shows a week now brooke kirchhofer is uh hosting it I, I thought our last podcast was one of the best ones we ever did i'm excited to, to have her on the team big time uh yeah every, everything's great man everything's going the right direction and uh hopefully the saints <laughs> do the same thing and uh every everything's up and happy and harmonious and and different than last year when it felt a little bit uh rough to follow this team so i, I like the stuff they've done this offseason but we'll we'll see over the uh the next few months we were just saying before you came on that you brooke and mike sounded like i don't know if y'all did a bunch of dry runs and rehearsed together but y'all really sound like y'all have been talking together and knowing each other's uh times to stop and when to cut in uh, y'all weren't talking over each other all it, it honestly james used the word it sounded like a professional podcast which all right, I think yeah. i think i think that's what you're going for right well i mean it was the first time ever honestly no dry runs nothing like that but i i've been doing uh tv interviews with her for for years and honestly brooks like one of the hardest working people like that covers this team for before she worked for wwl she was driving down from baton rouge setting up a camera by herself and she, she's one of the people that works the locker room really well has good relationships um and she's just a, a pro, man. Like she's a professional broadcaster. You put a professional broadcaster on a podcast with two writers, and <laughs> and uh, you know, they're they're Frank, Kevin, and and it's going to sound a little bit different. So that that's you know that's why we wanted her on the team, and I I couldn't be happier. I think it's going to keep getting better and better. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm just super excited to have her part of what we're doing. Awesome. Well, congratulations. So just jumping in the draft. So first of all, in general, what happened to the Saints? We're drafting players who have already had success playing football rather than people that just have potential. And like we got people with stats. I think y'all, you and Mike talked about that. And I mean, again, so I mean, lead to that, but was, was Sean Payton holding us back kind of where he would get stuck <laughs> on players and make us draft players that like he wanted to, I, I've always talked about how he wants to be the smartest guy in the room. So was he pushing us to draft players that hadn't reached their potential so that he could be the smartest guy in the NFL. Oh, no, man. But I no? mean, look, look, I'm, I'm happy. There wasn't like the Tommy Stevens stuff or, you know, <laughs> things like that. But no, I, I think the approach was just, 
I look last year, they, they drafted kind of the same way. So I don't think anything's massively is changing the approach, but it, it is interesting that, that they kind of just drafted what felt like maybe safer players, sort of like there weren't any, any major projections, but that might've just been because of the way the, uh, the board fell and that's just kind of how it worked out. But even the guys that I heard that they were looking at that they didn't get had had the same kind of production. So maybe it was just that kind of year where where those were the guys that they happened to like a little bit better. It's probably a little bit of a coincidence. But I do think that that overall we're probably going to see some stuff change with the draft approach. I mean, I think that DA and, and Sean probably have slightly different preferences, and that'll probably play out over a scope of time within the same scouting structure led by the same people and all that stuff. So the DNA is always going to be there, but maybe those last couple pieces of it, you know, the, the, whatever decides blonde hair and brown hair, maybe that, that changes over time, uh, you know, and you see a little bit of a difference coming, coming one way towards DA, but, but I do think overall, like it, it's probably gonna, gonna by and large remain pretty similar. And look, some, some of the, the projections and the projects that they got, like, I think that was just kind of what you had to do to get a pass rusher in, in 18 and what you kind of had to do to get a to get uh, a pass rusher the year Peyton Turner was selected. And this year it just happened to be Foskey and and there's a little bit more production and that that's who fell in the second round. I mean, it's just sometimes the opportunity um, depends on, on who you're going to get, but may, maybe a little, maybe a little different, but I think it's going to take some time to see that for real. I think we all spent the draft. I mean, with every draft of the Saints, like knowing what we should do and then waiting for the shoe to drop and the Saints just to go rogue and something crazy. But, <laughs> you know, Breezy in the in the first, Foskey in the second, running back in the third, Miller, that's what we all wanted. I mean, and they didn't trade up and nothing weird happened and it's players that fit. Um, it, it's just perfect. And you mentioned Foskey. I know it's easy for us to fall in love with a player after we draft them. We go look at their highlights and then all of a sudden they're this great player. But he looks like a guy that should have gone before 40. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys drafted in the top half of the first round, the top 15 or 20 picks that don't have the tape that he does. Like, is everybody missing on him? I know he's got stuff to work on, but he looks like a dude that can play football. He does. Yeah. I mean, he has some stuff that I think he's he's pretty good at. I mean, the the athleticism pops for sure. That That's a major factor. First thing you see when, when you start watching him is just how, how well he time snaps and then how quickly he gets on top of people with his speed. And, you know, there's a lot of plays where it looked like he was overwhelming somebody on uh, the opposing offensive line. Um, some of the, you know, one of the, one of the downsides with him is that I just, and it's not that I don't think he can't do it. I just think it's not consistent yet is some of the hand combat stuff. Some of the counters stacking moves a little bit, maybe having a plan. I think in part, his athleticism and the ability to time snaps maybe kind of stunted some of that for him because he just he didn't need to do it to win. So I mean that is something that I think he's gonna have to figure out a little bit. And I hate to say it, but there is like a, a little bit of Marcus Davenport to his game and that there's a lot of snaps from the two point stance standing up and, and rushing that way, where he's just kind of overwhelming people. And, and that's not really a downside, but that is kind of what you saw a lot of Davenport do. The difference is you you see him down a lot more in college with his with his hand in the dirt. So there's a, a more polish for sure. I think you watch him. I mean, one of the things that kind of stands out to me right away is just with the athleticism and and the Saints can get him in spots where he can move and just kind of use that um, you know, stump behind somebody and, and get a full head of steam and turn that speed to power if he needs to. I mean, I think that we're gonna see a lot of snaps with him kind of being schemed into stuff. And I actually think he might be a better run defender right now than than pass rusher. Like his ability to get off blocks, chase people down, 
uh, the the motor, the head of steam, all that stuff, I think is going to bode really well in that early on. So I don't think it's like a pass rush specialist type person at all. Like, I, I think that he can play on early downs as well. And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think he probably starts out training camp fourth or maybe even yeah. fifth on, on the depth chart. But I think that, that he'll climb that probably. And, you know, depending on what Peyton Turner does, he could be the third guy or he could be the fourth guy. But I think he'll jump above uh, Passigno sooner than later and, and find a way to get snaps. I don't dislike you. We comparing somebody to Marcus Davenport physically and what they can do on the field. Marcus he Davenport needs to get his head together. And if Foskey, like, I, I want to ask you about some of that in a minute, but if Foskey's got his head together and is a confident dude, I'm great with him being physically plays yeah. like Marcus Davenport. Yeah. I mean, look, it's just saying Marcus Davenport, people will be like, ah, no, can't be him. <laughs> like, I thought Davenport was a good player. It's like you said, it was, it was everything else. It, and, Look, that's the thing with scouting. Like everybody sees the same players. There aren't going to be two teams that view talent drastically different. It's how do they scout the stuff off the field? It's it's the mental acumen. It's it's the emotional maturity. It's how they conduct themselves away from the facility. How much they love the game. What drives them? Um, you know, just are they going to stay out of trouble? All those are the things that I think define success or failure more so than tape. It's very rare that someone's drafting somebody off tape unless it's Bill Belichick. And the rest of the league's like, oh my God, that guy was a sixth rounder. Why are you taking him in the third round? Like that, that just doesn't happen very often. So yeah, I mean, Davenport stuff was the off the field stuff. And there were some of those concerns, even immediately. You remember the scouting reports? It was like weird things in there. Like he likes to read books. And it, I think I was just people not having the ability to verbalize that. Like he's just kind of a different type of dude. And, you know, some of his interests are just different than typically what you see. But I think you look back on the five-year view of it and it's like, well, I, I kind of see what that warning sign meant where when you first read it, you're laughing at it. And like, these people are goons and idiots. Why are they saying this? So it kind of makes sense from retrospect now, but I don't think you have that with, with Foskey. I mean, we talked to him. He seemed incredibly confident. He, I, he just said the right things. He gave you a feeling of, of how hungry he was just and how he spoke. And I think that all that stuff is going to bode really well for a guy that, that can develop more and should develop more. And if he's as driven as he seemed in first impression, I think that there's a pretty good chance that he realizes a lot of his potential. Well, the the biggest difference is he didn't cost two first round picks either. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so on the Foskey pick, then um, a lot of the national talking heads and they do this all the time have kind of slated the saints a little bit for taking Foskey at 40. Now we seem fairly positive. I'm certainly positive about it. You're positive about it. Why do you think that the, the national media are not quite as, on board with it as, uh, as we would be. I think it's probably some of that, that stuff that I was talking about. I think there's just a little bit of, of you just don't see a lot of, of the, the, the hand stuff with him. And I think that kind of does matter a little bit in, you know, I, I never know what to think of people's rankings or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of group think this time of year and it's just, you know, Malik Willis was the number one overall pick in the draft in the media. And then he's, pick several rounds later so sometimes the media is just wrong about this stuff you the the chief guy in the media had an opportunity to run a football team and it didn't work out too great for him so you know it's right. just I, i'm gonna side with jeff ireland over mike mayox or the mike mayox of the world on, on some of this stuff until we have proof in the pudding and, and really know so you know i i always have trouble with that i mean i just don't i don't think enough of myself or my opinions to to believe that i'm smarter than people running a team like i have my own thoughts on guys and i watch them but there's nothing there that makes me think that 40 is a crazy spot to pick him i watch when i'm like yeah this guy looks like someone that should have been picked early in the second round he gets after the quarterback he has a lot of production there's a lot of pressures a lot of sacks so I, i'm not you know that's just 
I, I don't have a strong opinion on that. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll just see how it plays out over time. Yeah. In, including Fosky, I really love, um, you know, I think the, the focus that we had on character and like leadership um, this year with our draft, uh, the, you know, everybody that comes in the, that's a rookie in the NFL has some athletic talent, and has something to build on. It's whether or not they can work hard enough and take coaching and build on that. You've got guys, I mean, they have rookies have to work their asses off to succeed. So Breezy is motivated by, you know, family tragedies and impressing his family and just representing his, his family and his sister's name. Like you can tell that dude is focused on working. Foskey, talk about a high character guy. 30 minutes after yeah. he's drafted, he's at the hospital with a friend of his with his Saints hat on, leaves his own draft party. I mean, again, high character guy that just cares about people, wants to probably impress and the people around him. Miller, kind of different side, is tells Alvin Kamara, I'm coming for your job. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm here to be. I love the attitude from, 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 from him. And then, I mean, the weird stuff with A.T. Perry, he has to be the most un, underdrafted person in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the draft. And I'm telling you right now, that, that's your camp beast. I mean, and I, I don't see how, I mean, he's not making the 53, and that's pretty awesome for a guy taking that late. It's just we got guys that are driven and are I think they seem like they're going to come in and work their asses off to make this team and, and be good football players. Yeah, the A.T. Perry thing, I I, I got to find out what happened there because it, it's it's odd to me. I don't I don't I haven't heard yet what those character things are, but he, he doesn't he doesn't look like a six rounder at, at all. I mean, it's definitely the off field stuff. I mean, he said it himself that that teams were knocking him over character issues. I, and I like that he's mad about it. You know, if it, if it manifests in the right way and whatever those character issues or perceived character issues are, if they stay at bay and, and he allows this to, to motivate him. I mean, I think that can only be a positive thing for, for uh, the saints, you know, getting a really motivated six round pick. That's way more talented than a six rounder. So I'm, I'm eager to see what, what he does. And yeah, a hundred percent, he's going to get all the camp hype because he jumps over people. He makes crazy catches and, and he's, nobody's wearing pads. So he's going to stand out and everybody's going to want to talk about him. And by the end of camp, he's going to be Jerry Rice and he probably won't actually be Jerry Rice in real life, but, uh, that's how he's going to be talked about. So I'm excited to be leading the charge on that hype because I love that pick and I'm going to overhype him for sure. And I apologize right now in advance <laughs> for, for that. But look, the Kendra Miller thing too. I mean, if there's two, two positions where I kind of want players to be a little bit arrogant. It's, it's the running backs and the cornerbacks. Like, I think it's just kind of inherent to the positions they play. You want someone coming in to take that job. Uh, you want them to approach it that way. You don't want them to be humble and want to wait their turn. I'm going to be extremely fascinated to see how, uh, how all that plays out. I mean, I I don't know if there's enough carries for all three of those guys. Like someone's going to get, I was thinking there's, if, AK is not suspended for a lot of the season. We've got a crowded room of number one mm. running backs. A lot of guys that need the ball. It's nobody that sh you have Alvin Kamara, the guy that led the league in touchdowns last year in a third round pick fourth running back picked in the draft. I think, I think he was a fourth yeah. one. I mean, that's a highly drafted running back. A guy with a ton of talent and he was injured. So, I mean, if he wasn't injured, he probably would have got picked even higher. He, he didn't have any timing stuff or anything. So they were, picking him off of that. You know, I think if he ran and people got a 40 time, he probably got picked sooner. So I, I don't know how it shakes out. I mean, you can find a way to use all these guys. And if you do find a way to use all of them, I think it, it makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And if it works out, if they're all cool with, with not having high volume, I think we already know AK doesn't need high volume to get into a rhythm. He can kind of just do his thing. Um, and, and maybe that's, that's a benefit to him. And maybe that's how it all works out, but definitely somebody is taking a cut in their carries. I don't mind AK in the slot a little more. 
I mean, yeah. if we're just going to be creative and do do some weird stuff like that. I don't I don't mind that. Yeah, definitely more ways that they can use him. And maybe that opens it up. Maybe maybe this is the thing that pushes them to find better ways to get him the ball, new ways to get him the ball, you know, get him get him more touches in the receiving game, all that stuff. But yeah, I don't want to make the comparison, but I mean, it's it's a little it's a little 2017-ish where you got three alpha dogs in that room and it's just like, how's it going to shake out? Like, it doesn't mean one of them has to go. It's just, it's just, there's going to be, there's not enough, there's just not enough volume there, I don't think, for all three guys. Makes sense. Kind of round out, so other draft picks. I, th- I think that Nick Saldaveri probably doesn't get talked about a lot this year, but that's a guy in the next couple of years I mean, if you go reading about him, there are multiple people that are very smart about offensive linemen saying he's a future starter um, on an offensive line. If you start your fourth round with something like that, um, and that it's a guy that's starting next year or, or a year after, that's a um, pretty pretty great uh, fourth round draft pick for for what we're seeing about, uh, again, feedback on him from, from coaches that know what they're looking at. I absolutely love talking to him after the draft. He said some things that I never, I never even like had have heard before. I never thought of it that way. He said he, he approaches his job and he looks at every play, the teams he plays for run from the view of the center. So that, because if you're the center, you have to know how every single piece on the offensive line fits together, what everybody's doing, how it operates, whose job is what. And then if you do it that way, if you're playing tackle like he was, and now you're getting kicked in the guard, you aren't thinking about what do I have to do on this play? Because you already know. So like him taking a holistic approach to it allows him, at least in his own opinion, to switch positions, to play on either side of the line. There's not like that left-handed, right-handed thing that some guys go through. Andrews Pete being one of them, like, because he's studying it like that. So he already knows what to do on both sides and it feels natural when he does it. And that's why he was able to go to the senior bowl and play center there and be comfortable in that position. So he just seems like a really good utility player in year one. Maybe somebody that challenges Calvin Throckmorton for a roster spot. You know, I think maybe maybe that's a a battle that's going to be interesting. Saldaveri is going to make the team as a fourth round pick, unless he's a Rick Leonard level disaster. But um, you know, I I think I think Throckmorton's now going to have to kind of prove his spot a little bit, and then it it allows uh, James Hurst, I think, to focus a little bit more on on tackle yep. if they have more guys that can play on the inside. So I think it's it's a benefit to the whole thing. And as you said, a year from now. If everything goes right, I think this pick was made with the idea that um, he's he's potentially taking that left guard spot uh, in, in running away with it as as the uh, starter next year after Pete probably moves on. It seems like the Saints made the right decision to move up to take him as well because there was a run on offensive linemen almost immediately after after we that beat pick, we beat so. the running back and the offensive line draft like where they drafted like ten or eleven offensive linemen after us but running backs went on a run too yeah quarterbacks i I reached out to scouts i reached out to scouts with two different teams just you know i always do after a trade or something like that just hey are they crazy did did they need to do this did they have to go up there to get this guy and like both those teams said that he was their their top interior guy so i mean I, i do think that they absolutely if that was the target for that position i think they had to make a move up to get him because as we saw, there was the run on him and he was going to go. And I think teams probably by and large felt that he was the best of the bunch uh, going into the fourth round. And so James mentioned the run on quarterbacks. And so Nick, you, you wrote an article that everybody needs to go read about Jake Hayner, the quarterback out of Fresno state. And so I'm paraphrasing. So correct me, but I, I believe in the article, you said that by the time Derek Carr's contract is over, he will be Drew Brees. Oh, I can't wait to hear how Nick's going to respond to this. But first a word from our sponsors. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And so I'm paraphrasing, so correct me, but I, I believe in the article you said that by the time Derek Carr's contract is over, he will be Drew Brees. <laughs> is that is that is that what he's got? He's got three or four years. We got a few things here, and then he's Drew Brees. Is that, we got is few, that what I heard? We got a few things here. Mike wrote the J.K. in our article, so I didn't write anything. Okay. I'm being I'm being horribly misquoted. I it's, believe I believe I missed that sentence when I edited the story. Maybe, maybe he stuck it in after the fact. No, look, I I, I like Hainer though. I like I do like Hainer. I like Hainer. We have a we we did an interview with Dame Brugler today. Um, it's gonna be on our podcast later this week. And Dame was just like effusive in his praise of of Hainer. I was kind of like shocked to hear how high he was on him. And you know, again, it's a media report, but I, I was surprised that that somebody somebody liked him as much as Dame did. I, I still got to do uh, my film study on him, so I don't have a like a ton of thoughts. I, I took you know a quick look at him. A couple of things that stood out to me was just how he throws on on rhythm. Like that's something that I don't really think is is really teachable. I think you just kind of have it or you don't. And a rhythm level passer like that, I think would fit in this offense. Like it, it was built on it for years with, with Drew. That's what Drew did. So it's, it's interesting there. Um, Dane was a lot more sober than the people that, that keep bringing up, <laughs> bringing up Drew. He, uh, he, he compared him to Heineke as someone that, you know, could be a really high end starter or a really high end backup in a, in a viable starter. If everything goes right, you know, lower end. but if that's what he is and you have one of the better backups in the league on a, on a team friendly contract, I mean, that's a huge, a huge one. You aren't going out there. You don't have to pay anyone real money to be your backup. You got him on a rookie deal. That, that would be a great, great outcome. And you know, a couple other things that I like about him, a, the breeze thing. I mean, it's just hard not to like that. It's just a tie to the area, him studying with them and, and being a saints guy and watching saints tape with drew just kind of gives him a little bit of a head start. But I like the Fresno connection yeah, more so. Too. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Derek Carr is someone that that was that's going to embrace anyone that comes in. I just don't, I don't think that we've only interacted with him a few times, but just seeing him from afar and hearing things about him, he doesn't seem like the type of person that that's going to give someone the cold shoulder or anything like that. But the fact that there's already a tie in there, it just feels like you know that that puts it puts a uh, Hainer in a an environment that's really going to probably be the best for his development because I think I think Carr's going to just whether subconsciously or not, probably just going to give him a little bit more of his time, just given that sure. there's already a relationship. He knows his point of view, all that stuff. So I think it's, I think it's a great fit with, with him. College quarterbacks don't complete 72% of their passes in a season when they play every game. Like that just doesn't happen, but also you couldn't write a script. This, this kid's wearing a Reggie Bush Jersey I know. as he's growing up. And then he wears Drew Brees, number. And then he goes to Derek Carr's school and they, they connect and he becomes his mentor. Like all of that stuff, like if you wrote a movie about you, like, okay, you're just being stupid. Like this is a movie for 10 year olds and no adult can watch it. And it's like the real story of what's going on with this guy. And then he gets drafted by the team. It's just, uh, it's, it's you, crazy. And I mean, hopefully he you know, sticks around. You'd watch that movie, wouldn't you? I would watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'd, I'd actually, I'd actually do a double feature <laughs> with draft day. There you and, go. Um, both both very realistic movies about the uh, the draft and entering the NFL process. Like an old school drive-in double feature. I'd, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so Nick, was the Adam Troutman trade a surprise? A little, a little, yeah, a little. I mean, in hindsight, looking back at it, it, it kind of maybe felt foretold a little bit with the the Foster Moreau move. Like, okay, so there was an odd man out, and this is why you were trying to sign this guy. Um, I was a little surprised by the comments, and I, I don't even think he, maybe he met him how they read, but it kind of read like he was, a, I don't know, unhappy with his spot here. But I guess I get it in the sense of that he wants to be able to do more and he wants to to be more of a pass catcher. Nick Vanette said the same exact stuff when he came in here. Oh, I didn't have a chance to be a pass catcher. I can be a lot more. And then, you know, he just kind of was what he was. I, I feel like Troutman had every opportunity in 21. He played almost 50% of the the of his snaps were receiving snaps where he ran routes and it just, the production wasn't great. And then this year, yeah, it went way down, but I mean, a former wide receiver turned tight end plays more snaps, former quarterback turned tight end starts taking snaps for me. I mean, at some point that's just, you know, you got to fight these people off, but I, I do think that they have created a, a pretty massive hole on the roster. They don't have really that inline tight end, maybe like a Lucas Kroll or someone is fit, fit to do it. But like, I think they got to bring somebody in to at least set that barrier of, all right, you got to beat this guy out if you're going to make the team. You know, yeah. like, I, I just don't want to give Lucas Kroll um, a starting job, like, without without having to beat somebody. So I think they do have some work to do there. Maybe Moreau is someone that they eventually sign, um, but I, I think they need to go out and get somebody pretty soon to to just fill that spot and and make sure they have somebody that's competing for uh, the inline tight end spot. That you was telling one me of, it's one not going to be Dan Arnold. <laughs> Look, I, I think Dan did some good stuff in Arizona after he left, but um, I'll take Dan over Cameron Bright, though. Yeah, I mean, look, I think they, they got to get someone that can block, though. Like, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if Dan's really developed there or not. I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I haven't I haven't followed his game since he left too much. I saw some highlights uh, the first year when he's making some plays. Uh, but yeah, I think they need to get somebody that that's more of a of a like heavy blocker type. Yeah. That is probably the surprise of the draft that they didn't take a tight end considering the the depth of that position in the draft itself. I was really surprised. I expected him to grab somebody. Yeah, we got rid of one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the opposite. Yeah, I, I I thought for sure. I think some of their moves are, are a little bit telling though that I think maybe they want to do more three receiver stuff than two tight end stuff this year, and I I think that makes sense. I think the offense is just naturally going to go back to spreading out a little bit more like it was in nineteen when they were at like sixty percent three receiver sets and twelve percent two tight end, uh, one running back sets. And last year, uh, it was like 22% of their snaps were were two tight end, one running back. And I think 54% were three receiver sets. So I think just with Carr, it's going to spread out. You'd be back, be back more towards like the breeze type offense. And, you know, last year, I think a, a lot of the stuff they were doing was predicated on on trying to be a play action team, even though that didn't really work out percentage wise for them and, and running a lot more. So you got those two tight ends out there kind of being like a more powerful strong type team and I, I think it's going to go back to more what it was before so they don't necessarily need like a superstar at that position but i do think they do still need one more guy that can block go out there lead the way on a running play all that stuff and and i'm not necessarily sure that i feel great about what they have in that aspect who's uh who's your favorite udfa um is there one of the if you if you were to pick who was who one of them they can actually make the team um who would you go with Ah, uh, man, I'm just going to cheat and go like Shaq Davis because he got $200,000. And there's three guys that got $200,000, but Shaq's first name is Shaq. And I know the name Shaq. So I'm going with that. Like, honestly, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on it yet. Like, 
we'll get into I'm, I'm working my way down through the draft picks and then i'll hit the udfas after that but there there were three that got two hundred thousand dollars uh shaq davis anthony orgy linebackers so i mean that that's that puts you in a decent spot right there too he's someone to to probably watch and then um mark evans the third i think is yeah. arkansas pine bluff he also got two hundred thousand dollars so i mean that's just it's not a great barometer because uh like Devonte harris i think got like ten thousand dollars one year made the team last year uh man what was the running back the guy that went to houston oh uh, abram, abram smith, smith. yeah yep. he got two hundred thousand. didn't make the team rashid he got two hundred thousand. did make the team so it, it it's not necessarily the greatest uh measuring stick but i think if you're going to start picking guys i mean the league's telling you that those three are the three to watch I, as kind of like the homer pick i do like nick anderson i think he does some things well but I think it's, you know, and also linebacker, another spot where, again, it's it's a little bit weak. I think he has a chance. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely see. Um, March, or I'm sorry, May 12th, I think we, we're out there watching him. So, I mean, that'll be the first time that we kind of get a feel for for how some of these guys move and, and what they're looking like. I like Shaq Davis a lot. I think that I, mean, I wonder if he's going to be competing with A.T. Perry. I mean, I like him. I like him being six foot five. So I'm not sure if both of them make it. I, I agree. I love Nick Anderson's game. I mean. Again, undersized for sure. Yeah, but but he just gets out there and plays football. He's he's been playing. He played against USC and he was undersized. And and, and it's just a, I don't know. It's a really really smart dude that is a leader and loves football. I mean, whether or not he can overcome being being way too small to play linebacker. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love everything about him. If that dude's six foot three and weighs two forty, he's a first round draft pick. I mean, it's just no a, question. Yeah. So there's some some interesting guys. Did do you uh you care at all about Malik Flowers? Is there a spot for him on the team? Is Rashid Shahid could he go to being a wide receiver full time? And we want somebody else returning kicks. I mean, this is one of the most interesting things they've been able to do is, is their ability to go out and they find these returners. And and this is led by the special teams coach. Every year he he does it. He has a study that he just locates somebody, and that's how they found um, Deontay Harris, Marquez Callaway, Rashid Shahid. So. It's fascinating uh, that they've been able to do so. I'm I'm 100% never going to overlook the returner that they bring in because that guy just makes the team every single time. So he's definitely someone that should be on the radar, right off jump, uh, because that, that's just something that they've done really, really well the last few years. He's he's the he's my number one draft pick for uh, mysteriously getting injured in the preseason, but he'll be back in 2024. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're gonna we're gonna we're. We're gonna make sure he rehabs fully. Um, wait, the the wait a minute, nobody saw him get hurt. Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The, the, Saints, the Saints are really good at that. Well, and then then Deontay Harris gets hurt, and all of a sudden Rashid Shahid is healthy when we yeah. thought he was gonna miss the whole year. It was, yeah. it was miraculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, we have a, we have a good time with those for sure. The uh, the, yeah. the Saints never never uh, stop from entertaining with those. So there's one thing I noticed on watching the uh, the videos that the Saints put out when the um, when they make the call to the draft pick, and this year, and I don't know whether it's only because I spotted it this year, but Jeff Ireland seemed to be the one that was making the calls this year, and I don't think I've ever seen that before. Always used to be Mickey. Am, am I reading something into that, or is that not always the case? Mickey was on some of the calls. I, I definitely saw him on some of the calls. I, I think it probably just alternates, and I don't know. I don't know if there's anything. Um, necessarily super different there but i wouldn't be surprised that uh, of finding out that jeff has taken more ownership in, in that room post sean i mean i think that would probably be a pretty 
pretty natural thing. I think Sean, um, you know, kind of, kind of led the charge in there and, and I'm sure DA does too, but I, I think that is probably just a little bit more, more balanced, you know, Jeff's the college scouting director. This is kind of his yeah. room, his forte, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, but I, I think they all end up on the, on the call. Like I've seen videos in the past, like sometimes where Kai's on those calls, like, I think it's just, everybody's involved a little bit. I know we talked about before that obviously we don't want to lose Jeff Ireland but he's not going to quote unquote take a title if he's not doing the job i mean that would just kind of be disrespectful it was like oh hey we're going to call you the gm but mickey's still doing the job we were wondering we were talking about before if he's maybe taking some more responsibility so it doesn't seem that way so th there's got to be a way to keep him i mean at some point the league I, I every year i'm surprised when he doesn't get interviews and isn't talked about on other jobs but you got to think at some point him and kai start getting pulled in a different direction yeah, it, it's surprising to me too as well. And I, I mentioned this to him one time and he and he just kind of was like, Well, I'm not like the, the shiny new toy anymore. Like, you know, so I think it's just kind of teams get out there and they want to find the the next, the next young, great, bright mind and going with this, you know, going with Jeff, you could probably talk yourself into somebody that that you think can do things differently or maybe with more upside or whatever. But I, I think it's dumb. I think people are overthinking it. I think he I think he'd be really good. Um in that role. I mean, the, the proof is there. There's been a couple drafts that are major, major, major stinkers. I mean, um, the Troutman one now is, is kind of, kind of set, uh, the Peyton's season. Fault. Yeah. Peyton's fault. <laughs> you can't you can blame Peyton on it now. I mean, he's the, gone. The, the, the 18 draft. I mean, you got something yeah. out of Davenport, but the rest of it was pretty bad, but I mean, look overall, I think, I think Jeff's drafting history here has been pretty good. I mean, really good. I, I would yep. even, I would even argue. So yeah, I'm surprised, uh, with that too, but yeah, I think that, um, look, if he was offered the GM role here, I wouldn't be surprised if he took it, but I think that ultimately he probably covets a situation where it's going to be his team, his show. He's the real GM. So like, even if like Mickey moved up to say president and then Jeff took the GM role, if there isn't an actual changing of, of responsibility, I'm not sure that that's probably, you know, I, I'm not sure that's a meaningful change. So I don't, I don't know that like just giving Jeff a title would, Right. would suffice like it does it would have to come with with all that responsibility and everything so this is kind of putting you on the spot without maybe a list but i, I think you'll probably be able to pull something off the top of your head so saints have just over 10 million dollars in salary cap space after they do sign their rookie draft class um what's a two two veteran free agents that you'd want to bring in to complete this team with what we have right now there's, there's some there's some names out there some of them are old some of them would be great rotation pieces not starters maybe but there's a bunch yeah. of names. Yeah. Look, I, I don't even care about the name specifically. Like, I think you need the Craig Robertson level linebacker at least. Yep. At least. Like, I think that's a huge need. Like, if if Pete Werner gets hurt, like, I'm terrified of what happens to this team. So, I think that's one. And then whoever, and I'll, I'll just admit to straight up not knowing because I haven't looked yet. Like, whoever is the best blocking tight end, go, like, go do it. Like, that's it. Like, I think those are the two pieces you need. So, I mean, that's a huge credit to what they've been able to do so far. I think they've filled out the team pretty well, uh, high-end stuff. If someone wanted to say, like, go out and get an edge rusher, like, I don't love the idea, like Frank Clark, just because of the off-field stuff. But if you wanted to add somebody in that tier of player, like, there's a handful of pass rushers that are still out there that I think uh, could make a difference and help this group out. But ultimately, like, I think they just need that depth linebacker in the wide tight end. And I think overall, like, I, I think they're – pretty solidified in my mind, at least is, is a 10 win caliber team. And, you know, I always think that there's like a two win variance from there if everything goes right or everything goes wrong. But I think they, they look like on paper, a 10 win team to me. 
I love Ngakwe as a player that comes in and plays less than 35% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, if yeah, you, if you can rotate him right and put him in the right position, I don't want him in on running plays, really. I don't want him tired. But get that guy in there when it's like, okay, NASCAR package, go get the quarterback. I, I think he can still do that again with 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 rest in between his snaps yeah he he's he'd be a good uh he'd be a good piece too yeah it, and you say that and then it's like all of a sudden like well how's Foskey gonna play like so maybe they've done some good things but if you yeah. keep your rookie on the bench because there's a veteran that you sign is better than him and the rookie can't beat him out that's a good problem to have like not maybe not long term but i it's you know you'd rather have be a better team than a worse team so i i would be in full support of it you expect some some veteran I, free agent moves coming up in the next I mean, we're 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 past the comp- compensatory pick. Uh, I do screwy rule. So yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that I think there's just a few obvious little holes, but I don't think it's going to be anything super major. Yeah, linebacker for sure. But the one thing about the draft, and look, we'll we'll find out about these players two, three, four years down the line. But I did like that they seemed to address the positions that they needed to kind of fill in. Um, I outside of linebacker, I really thought they were going to draft a linebacker, but I like. I like what they attempted to address. Hopefully these players work out. Look, if three or four of them work out, fantastic. Um, but at least at least they had the right idea in terms of where they needed to go. It's easy for us to like not be happy and say that the Saints don't draft great because we we are stuck on all the players that don't make it. But we yeah. just don't we also don't know the other 31 teams that draft players that none of them make it. Like <laughs> I mean, there's maybe no team in history has ever had, I mean, the Jets this last year possibly, but nobody's had a 2017 draft that went the way ours did. Um, and so we, we get stuck on our players that make it, but we got caught the other day going back, looking, we were talking about our least favorite draft picks. And I was just remember being stunned at the Patrick Robinson pick after winning the Super Bowl, And then we pick Patrick Robinson, but we went back and looked and like the 15 players picked before and after him are all nobody or, you know, until you get to Rob Gronkowski, which we would not have picked. Yeah. So it, all those guys miss, like, it's just the, everybody has bad drafts in the first, second, third, fourth round. So it's a it's easy for us to kind of nitpick it because we're, you know, it's it's the one team that we watch. Like, and you you look at Ireland's draft history. Like his picks in the second, third, and fourth round are insanely good. Like it is unbelievable how many hits and big hits he has in those rounds. The first round's actually been their biggest issue, I think, since he's taken over. And there's some great first round picks, but just the the rounds two, three, four, like every single pick within that range, outside of I don't know Rick Leonard and. Oh man, there's another one that that missed, but the rest of them are, are either solid or like massive, massive hit. Yeah, look forward to the schedule release in nine days. Yeah, we got some practices coming up, some real things happening after uh, months of speculation and guessing, and you know, just getting some practices is going to be great. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Nick. Appreciate it. How can everybody find you? But yeah, New Orleans Stop Football. Good. Uh, thanks for having me, though, guys. It's always fun. Uh, anytime, I'm happy to do it. Our chat with uh with nick any uh any final thoughts <laughs> you know it's one thing for us to get all excited and be happy about the the way things are going and you know um it's it's nice to to kind of get that from from nick too of, of nick i mean sounds just as excited about the about the draft and even i mean possibly an undrafted free agent or two um looks like we're we're, we're set up and i mean he even he also mentioned predicting us to be a 10-win team. Now, he did caveat that that could swing either way between two two wins up to 12 or two wins down. So, I mean, I, I think it just kind of confirms what we we thought. This, I mean, it seems like he hit the nail on the head with most things. And the biggest thing I took away was when I asked him veteran free agents, who would he go after? 
he's picking backup tight ends and backup linebackers. If, if that's truly our biggest needs right now, I mean, hell yeah. I mean, that's, I'm so glad that we're not sitting there saying like, Oh, we need this guy. So he can come start. Um, pretty now again, I, th- I think we, ne- we need another linebacker, but, but it's pretty cool that, that that's uh, that's kind of our, our, what we could say our biggest need. Cause a couple of weeks ago, we were trying to talk about some big names that we need to come in and play some significant stat snaps. Look, there's a lot of excitement going around. It's always immediately after the draft. Everybody's excited for all the picks coming in outside of, you know, trading up for Davenport or, or stumbling into Peyton Turner. We're, we're usually pretty excited. So, but at the end of the day, again, like, like I've said before, it's all going to come down to Allen because it's all going to fall on him. I mean, this roster seems to be good enough to win the division. It's just a question of, is he a good head coach or not? So, it's all going to come down here. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, you you put our starting 11 on defense and our starting 11 on offense, and that's two good units, two really potentially on paper, really good units. Now, I know on paper doesn't always translate to on the grass. The potential's there. It's turf. Turf, <laughs> grass, whatever. <laughs> At least you yes. didn't say pitch. <laughs> Field. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, so again, hopefully that starting 11 on offense and defense is healthy and yes. uh, stays healthy. And Michael Thomas is one of them. I mean, again, I still think that we're going through all this talking about the record prediction. All none of us in the forefront of our head going, we're predicting this with Michael Thomas being healthy and playing 17 games. If, yeah, if, if I mean, we shouldn't. But if that happens, well, my Lord, I mean, this again, I, I think that we're there's a lot of things that we're putting here talking about. Olave and Shahid and new new rookies and how, what can A.T. Perry do? And if we sit here and start talking and we start talking about A.T. Perry being the third receiver. Um, if Michael Thomas is there, Michael Thomas is your, still your number one receiver. Yeah. I mean, there's it's 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 pretty interesting because I think that none of us are, I mean, honestly, really feeling comfortable with that. And so, you know, maybe here in about six or eight weeks after we've seen a few practices with him actually catching a ball from Derek Carr. We start getting some false hope, but well, look, we, really, we got false really hope last, last, last training, se- you know, last September training camp. football. Yeah, I want to see some September hope, football, right? Right, with, when, with Michael when, Thomas. when they actually are hitting other teams it's, and then the injuries yeah. start to happen. Listen, the, our, we had Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry really show us what was possible week one last year and then never saw it again. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, it was nice, nice having that kind of confirmation from Nick. And I really like too, like him talking about the, the interviews. It's not like it was multiple guys he's impressed with, um, at least their knowledge of football and the way that they look at the game and. Um, I think we all they all look like, again, leaders and hard workers and uh, people that are at least going to get the most of whatever their potential is. And it didn't require a ton of of trade ups. Yeah, we traded away a fourth round pick next year, but we're getting some comp picks next year. So two, at the end of the day, and two, two fourths and two. Yeah, uh, look yeah at, two fourths and two sevens. Next year. Uh, yeah, look at one, one seven, seven, one seven. Yeah. OK, because at the end of the day, we still had seven draft picks. One of them was not a seventh round pick. So, yeah. I'm, well, and I, next year we have two seconds instestead of a third. So that's again okay. we got that that upgrade from uh, the Peyton trade. Yeah. Still don't know why we tossed in a third, but whatever. That <laughs> we love doing it because Mickey. That's why. <laughs> it was so that they could uh, get Troutman. It was it was the pre-trade. That, okay, of, we knew they knew it was coming. It was part of the negotiation. Yep. Uh, all right. So that's all the show we have for you today. We'd like to thank our loyal listeners for downloading and catching us each week here on the Fans First Network. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Don't patrol fans US first, and don't patrol UK. Fans, fans first sports network. Oh, I'm sorry. There's an S in there. So there's again, I, this is my first time. I'm. You, it's all, you say you say that's all the guys. It's all just. <laughs> yeah, it's all just. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, uh, like the show, subscribe. What does Jeff say? Do the auto download so you can listen to us at any yeah. time. You don't need Five star your ratings. Yep, great. Yep, ratings will be good. And with that, I will say, bye bye, small fish donkeys. What an asshole Troutman is. Everybody's doing the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's doing the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 